Let's talk finance. Wouldn't it be convenient to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one spot? Yahoo Finance does just that. It consolidates your portfolio views and offers expert analysis, making it easier to manage your investments. Let's not beat around the bush. You want to grow your portfolio, fight inflation, pay off debts, and achieve financial freedom. Yahoo Finance provides the news, data, and tools to make that happen. You may think you've covered all the bases, savings, researching, and investing smartly. But to truly excel, you need Yahoo Finance in your corner. A holistic perspective is crucial for success, and Yahoo Finance ensures you have it. With a massive community of over 90 million users monthly, Yahoo Finance is here to guide you on your path to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. We all make mistakes, decisions that we regret, things we'd like to do over, like not buying Bitcoin when you first heard about it at $1. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. At times, therapy has helped me and my loved ones in many ways. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major traumas. With the right guide, you can discover effective strategies to minimize distractions and truly connect with your needs, setting the stage for a more balanced life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge take a moment visit betterhelp.com gold today to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp help.com slash gold the peter schiff show so i'm reading this article in Bloomberg. The title of it is What the Economy Has Done to the Family. And the article starts out by pointing out some statistics. First of all, for divorce, uh, among, for people over 50, right, the divorce rate has doubled, doubled since 1990. That's a big increase uh, in, in, in that period of time. They also point out that now one in five adults has never been married up from 1 in 10 30 years ago. So again, you've doubled the number of adult men, the percentage who have never married. In all, it says the majority of American adults are now single, according to the government, including mothers of two out of five newborn children. So two-fifths of all the children born in America are born to mothers who are not married. These are shocking statistics, and unfortunately, it's only going to get worse. You know, I'm going to sidetrack a little bit, but, you know, talking about singles, they just had, uh, uh, just yesterday was Singles Day in Japan. It was a, you know, record shopping day uh, in Alibaba and all these other online retailers. You know, they celebrate the fact that you're single, right, that you're not married. Uh, Now, maybe people are relieved over there not to be married, or maybe the whole idea behind the holiday was, hey, we're single, uh, let's get together and maybe we can meet somebody and not be single. Maybe it's to, to get the singles to get out and be social and, and, and maybe to get, get, in, get married. Uh, but it's turned into just a shopping day because I guess 
on Singles Day, I guess you go out and you buy something for yourself, right? Because you, you don't have a significant other to buy something for because you're single. So it's all about probably glorifying shopping. And maybe, you know, it, it's an idea, hey, you know, let's get the consumer out there and spend. So we'll come up with this holiday called Singles Day and everybody can go buy themselves a present. Uh, but, you know, if the Chinese really want to stimulate their economy, that's not the way to do it. It's not through gimmicks. It's just let your currency appreciate in value. You let the currency go up and then prices will go down and falling prices will stimulate consumption. Not trying to get everybody to buy themselves a present on a particular day. But I know I just digressed uh, when I was just reading this, thinking about this whole idea of, of singles day. Uh, but there's certainly a lot of Americans who are single, but they don't have the money probably to go out and splurge on a singles day because they're broke. And that is the real point of this article. Uh, it, it's, it's looking at the fact that, you know, why are so few American men and women getting married? And it, the conclusion is a lot of it has to do with the economy, that they're saying it's not because of feminism or something like that. It's because of the economy. And they're 100 percent right. It is because of the economy and it is going to get worse. I mean, first of all, the article points out that the most important thing for women when they're looking for a, a potential husband is financial security. They want to marry somebody that has a good job. Well, the problem is a lot of young American men don't have good jobs. Certainly if they got a job in this Obama recovery, right? I mentioned earlier in the week uh, that, you know, one out of five of the jobs that were created last month were for waiters and, and bartenders. And I know being a bartender, you know, it's probably, you probably get a lot of girls as a bartender, uh, but probably not many of the girls uh, want to marry the bartender. I mean, maybe it's more about, you know, a one night stand or something, you know, if you're going to be with a bartender, but most women don't want to marry a bartender. You know, so, you know, if you've got your liberal arts degree and you're tending bar and you got $50,000 worth of uh, unpaid student loans and you're still living in your parents' basement, you're not exactly marriage material, right? I mean, maybe a woman could, you know, have a fling or have some fun, but she's not going to marry that guy because there's really nothing in it, in it for her. She wants to be married to somebody who has a good job and is going someplace financially. And, of course, it used to be, you know, way back before the government screwed it up that the, the woman wanted to marry a guy with a job because that way she wouldn't even have to work. Once you got married in America, if you got married in the 1940s, 1950s, 19, you know, you're, you didn't have to work. That's one of the reasons women got married so young. In fact, a lot of women just went from their parents' house to their husband's house, right? They, you know, that was the entire transition. So their, their, their dads were supporting them and then their husbands. So they were looking for somebody that can support them, which is one of the reasons why a lot of times, you know, the woman would come traditionally with a dowry, uh, or the, the, the father of the bride is the one that picks up the cost of the wedding because there's actually a financial relief going on because now the burden of caring for the daughter is passing from her father to her husband, right? That was tradition. But so women were able to get married at a much younger age, and they expected their husband to be able to support them financially, which was the case. And you didn't have to be, you know, a, a, a wealthy guy. I mean, just, you know, you didn't even need a high school diploma. You could just have a decent job in a factory and you could support a wife uh, and family and your wife didn't have to work outside the home. But now women are not necessarily looking for a guy that can support her. 
uh, they, a lot of women recognize that no matter who they marry, they're still going to have to work because it's hard to find a guy who can now earn as much money as a factory worker used to. Even if you've got a college degree and you've got a profession, chances are after taxes and inflation, you're not earning what a blue-collar guy made 50 years ago. Right? So women have lowered their expectations when it comes to the ability of their potential spouse to actually support them, but they still want a spouse that is a good contributor. They don't want to have to support their husband. They want a husband who earns probably at least as much as they do, if, if not more. And the supply of those guys is, is dwindling. You know, Because again, not only are the good jobs fewer and fewer, but more and more young men are loaded up with, with, with debt. And so that's an impediment. So if the women cannot find the guy that's bringing to the table what they want, and from the guy's perspective, too, I mean, at one point when a guy used to get married, the idea was, hey, now, you know, I don't have to cook for myself. I don't have to clean for myself or fend for myself. I've got, I've got a woman at home to take care of the house. Um, well, if a guy is marrying a woman who also has a job, um, you're not going to have somebody there making, making the home for you. I mean, your wife might expect you to do half the housework. And why not? She's still working. Uh, so you're both coming home after a hard day at the office. So you've got to still uh, take care of all the marketing and the housework, uh, even if you get married. And of course, another big appeal of marriage was children. People would get married because they want to have a family. It's not like I just want to have a spouse. I want to have the kid, right? And well, now, because you've got young Americans, A, have lousy jobs and B, have lots of debt, they can't afford kids especially since the cost of bringing them up is so expensive because food is going up in price, uh, you know, energy or just all the costs. And then forget about school. Uh, and, and a lot of people just assume, well, if I have a kid, I'm going to have to save for college and that's going to cost a fortune. Uh, so the cost of, of, of feeding and clothing and educating children, a lot of people, not only can't they afford to get married, they certainly can't afford to have kids. And so then what's the point of getting married? From the guy's perspective, if he's still going to have to do the housework and the marketing and he can't afford to have any kids, why marry? Same thing from the woman's perspective. Why am I going to hire a guy if he's not going to be able to give me any financial security and we're not going to be able to have kids? And certainly if you've got debt on both sides, if you've got now the, the, the guy and the girl both have you know, gone to college and have college loans, I mean, now you have to really push off uh, when you might be able to have kids, uh, because before you can do that, you've got to repay your loan. And a lot of times people don't want to have kids until they can afford a house. But obviously, you know, you can't afford a mortgage while you're still uh, paying off your student loans unless you happen to get a really, really high paying job. And again, those are few and far between. The interesting thing, though, about uh, the story is if the economy is recovering, if the economy is getting better, you know, why isn't this reversing, right? Why aren't we seeing a reversal in these trends. And that's because the economy isn't getting better. It's actually getting worse. Everything that has been driving the trend away from marriage. In fact, it's ironic because I think the Supreme Court is now finally going to be hearing a case about, um, about gay marriage and, you know, and, and, and clearing the way for more uh, homosexual marriages. At the same time, heterosexual marriage uh, has been plunging. And I guess suppose... Homosexual marriages, I mean, unless they're going to go out and adopt kids, I know some homosexual couples do that, 
Uh, but it's not, you know, if you're not, if you're getting married and not going to be having kids, I guess that's, uh, that makes it not quite as expensive uh, a, a commitment. But it's kind of ironic that as homosexual marriages are now, you know, on the ascent, you've got heterosexual marriages uh, that are on the descent. And of course, when it comes to children, another impact of government policy is the way the welfare programs work. When I, when I mentioned that two-fifths of all children are now born out of redlock, there is a reason for that. And the reason is, if you are on welfare and you are not married, you get a lot more money for your children than if you are on welfare and married, right? And so the government creates a monetary incentive for women to have children, but not husbands. And in fact, for young women, you know, growing up in the inner cities, this is often, you know, their, 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 their ticket. I mean, this is what they do, because the minute you get your kids and you're single, you get housing vouchers and all sorts of stuff. So you can get your own place. You don't have to live with your, with your mom anymore. Uh, of course, you don't live with your dad because, you know, your mom had you out of wedlock for the same reason. I mean, you've got generations of women having children without husbands and teaching their daughters, this is the way life works, right? As you get a little bit older, as you get to be 16 or 17, you know, if you even wait that long, you have a kid and now you can set up in your own place and now you get your own welfare and your own uh, EBT card. And, you know, and th that's how life is. That's how it goes. I mean, it's, we're, 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 we're passing on uh, the w ways to work the welfare system from mother to daughter to granddaughter to great-granddaughter. This is the cycle of dependency that is the creation of the welfare state. So all of that is in here. The people that work for a living and pay taxes don't have a left, enough money left over to afford children. It's the people that don't work and don't pay taxes who get paid to have children that end up having them. And again, what are we actually doing to our population? Because the more responsible people, the people who have a better work ethic, uh, are having fewer children, and the people who are just living off of welfare, they're having a lot of children. And so obviously the demographics are being skewed. What is the future going to look like? We're going to have more and more people looking to the government for a handout and fewer and fewer people able to pay the taxes uh, to pay for that handout. handout. Meanwhile, again, what does it say about the Social Security Ponzi scheme? If people aren't getting married and they're not having kids, there is no wave of young people coming uh, to continue to pay the taxes to keep this Ponzi scheme going, right? I mean, people talk about the demographic problem that they have in Japan. Well, you know, we're, we're going to have one of our own. And especially, again, what's important is the taxpayers. Just having, you can't say, well, we have a bunch of people that are going to be here. But if they're not taxpayers, if we're raising generations of tax takers, if more and more people are being born into circumstances and are being put on a path of welfare dependency, and fewer and fewer people are going to actually be productive members of society, producing stuff and paying taxes, then even though just if you look at the numbers, you know, how many people are being born, uh, that's not going to tell the whole story because a lot of the people who are being born are going to have to be taken care of, too, if they're not going to be contributing members of society. <music>
Today's financial advisors behave like pro-wrestling TV commentators. They scream that the recovery is strong, debt is manageable, inflation is low, and that the Federal Reserve has everything under control. They may be oblivious, but the danger is real. Looking beyond the media hype can open a world of broader investing ideas. Euro-Pacific Capital is a registered investment advisor that offers stock-focused wealth management services that closely follow the strategy of our founder and CEO, Peter Schiff. We concentrate on those countries that are more closely in tune with Peter's vision of how capitalism is supposed to work. And these investments are not hard to find, provided you know where to look. Isn't it time you change the channel and let Euro-Pacific put a little reality back into your portfolio? If you live in the United States and have $25,000 or more to invest, call 800-727-7922. That's 800-727-7922. Non-U.S. residents access similar strategies through Euro-Pacific Bank at europacbank.com. Euro-Pacific Capital and Euro-Pacific Bank are affiliated companies.